Hello and welcome to the Undetected Narcissist Podcast. Your host will be Angela Meyer and she will be talking about several mental health subjects and topics, shining a light on a subject that most people consider taboo, shifting your perspective from confusion maybe into clarity. So enjoy the show and thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Undetected Narcissist. <clears throat> Today, I have a special da- guest. It's Jody Kay, and she is the owner and founder of Flourish. So, Jody, tell us all about your background and why did you create this awesome company? Well, um, my background prior to becoming a mom was just a lawyer by education, and I um, run my family's business, but, um, becoming a mom is, you know, transformative for everyone or almost everyone. And, um, for me, especially given that I gave birth to my daughter at 20 weeks, um, I went through so much personally, physically, mentally, emotionally, and I, more than that, I think I just felt so alone and so, and so um, unsupported. And Flourish came about because of a couple of things. First of all, I kept talking to my daughter's therapist going, well, she's flourishing so nicely or using the word flourish instead of her growth and development. So I knew I wanted to do something with that word. And then um, when it came to um, figuring out how I was going to give back, given I do believe my daughter was born in this way, um, it just came to me, well, I want to help kids flourish no matter where they are in their life. And so flourish became this word that can be applied to so many things, but specifically right now it's for kids who are born premature and to give support um, to the parents because the parents are, I don't want to say left high and dry because the doctors and nurses do everything they can for the uh, babies that are in the NICU, but the parents are kind of just left to figure it out on their own. And it's really difficult um, when you're thrown into a world of crazy without any type of lifeboat. I will have to say that I fully agree because both of my kids were born premature. My um, daughter was 34 weeks and my son was 30 weeks. And when you walk into a NICU, it is so overwhelming because your child has all these bells and whistles and monitors attached to their little body. And as soon as you hear a beeping or some sound go off, it's like you're scared. You don't know, you know, what does that mean? And and, and it's hard because there's, you know, one nurse to so many premature babies. And the the space that they're in is it's small. It's not like you're thinking, oh my, you know. I have this hospital room. No, it's not. It's like there's one room and there's all these little babies in that one room. 
And so it can be intimidating and overwhelming and and scary at the, you know, the same time because you don't know what to expect or um, what what's going on. I mean, I completely agree. I think, you know, the first time I walked into the NICU and I will say this, I don't think anything could prepare you forever walking into a NICU, even if you knew that that was going to happen and you were going to give birth ahead of time. But I think seeing your little child hooked up to everything is just something most women and parents do not envision when they think of um, giving birth. And um, yes, to hear all those bells and whistles is scary because to your point, they're not in isolation in their own room. They are, yes, they are in isolates, but they're next to each other. So you hear bells and whistles. You don't know necessarily if it's for your child or somebody else's. Um, And there's just so much going on in the NICU. You know, my daughter was 28 weeks. And so she started in the, I guess, most intensive care part of the NICU where, where we were. Um, So it was one nurse per isolate. Um, But still, I mean, it was just so scary. And those doctors and nurses are angels and a different degree of patience and compassion than most people. Um, Because aside from dealing with the babies, they're dealing with the scared and overwhelmed parents, right? Um, And I just felt for myself that I had no friends who had gone through a similar experience or no one that I could turn to and talk to. And in talking to some of my friends, I didn't want to talk about myself sometimes, right? I just wanted to hear what was going on in the outside world. And so, but I needed somebody else there that could say to me, you know what, Jody, you are going to get through this. It is going to be okay. And so I created Flourish because I want to tell other parents out there, it is going to be okay. Over 300,000 babies are born premature every year. That's a lot of families that need support. No, it's true. It's true. There, there's so many families that need support because um, there's so many milestones uh, a preemie baby has to overcome. Like it's very common for them to get jaundice when they're first born. And then it's common they have to get the suck, swallow, breathe down, you know. And then there's I think the hardest one for me is when they can't latch on or do the bottle, they have to go to what they call it, gavage feed them to put the tube. Yeah, through the NG tube. Yes. Oh my God. I hated that every single time. Hated that. So there are a lot, it's, there's a huge, huge learning, you know, curve that has to, you know, take place. And it's, it can be even more, I would say, scary because they're so much smaller than an average baby. And so you feel even more um, vulnerable and because they're so fragile and you become so fragile, you know, at the same time. So 
I really I actually I actually thought that like when I first picked up my daughter that I was going to break her. You know, I mean, she was two pounds and just under 14 inches. She has this doll that she still sleeps with, an Elmo doll, and the doll is 14 inches. And sometimes I look at it still and I'm just like, how were you the size of your doll? Even smaller than the size of your doll, right? And everything is just so fragile. That's the perfect word, you know, because all the parents are in a fragile state of mind. The kids are in a fragile physical everything state. It's and there's just so much going on. But I also tell people that it can be a magical place in some weirdly, in some weird way, because I choose to think that I got to bond with my daughter in ways that most parents don't, right? I got to hold her for hours on end and witness all those milestones like the suck and swallow or to see that she was able to hold her body temperature by herself and be able to take be taken out of an isolate and put into a regular bassinet. Or to go from like a micro preemie diaper to a preemie diaper. All those little wins are huge and monumental. And I so enjoyed being able to celebrate those things with her. I think that helped me uh, while we were in the NICU for 77 days. um, Just to celebrate every everything, you know, and just feel so proud of of every day. Yes, you know, I I, I hear you because you know there's the, also that huge milestone of when they graduate from the NICU and they get to go home. That's the first week when they come home. It's like you're so nervous. You can just be really really nervous and um and but it all works out. You know, and I well, I think too. People think, oh, when your child comes home from the NICU, you're like, you hit the promised land, everything's great. No, and I, I was terrified, absolutely terrified. You know, first of all, as you know, kids don't come with a manual; you just take them home. But then there's a whole host of other challenges for NICU parents. Um, you know. Jenna had been on monitors for every night since she was born, you know, and we always had those around us just to look and use maybe as a guide, even though the nurses were like, don't look at the monitors. If you're looking at the monitors, it's too late. You know, so there's that piece. Plus also on top of regular appointments or milestones for us, we had a whole host of specialists that we had to go and visit, Um, you know, specialty doctors. And on top of that, this was right before COVID. So we were living in almost like a COVID world before COVID because we're like, if you have a runny nose, I don't care if it's allergies, you're not coming over. You know, if you, anything, you come into contact that you've been with someone that has a cough, please don't come over. You know, and we barely went outside for a few months because their immune systems are so much more compromised. That more so than that, or to the extent that 
that has to be taken seriously. You know, they're just like, oh, just take her out and you can go in, in a restaurant. I'm like, no, I can't. You know, it, it comes with a whole host of other challenges that people just don't understand. And instead, people think you're crazy, but you're not, in fact, crazy because you're doing everything you can to protect your child. Right. No, I I, I fully get that. And I do understand how there's that whole, you know, misconception of, well, now they're home. And a lot of people think, well, they just put your kiddo in a category with all other babies. And it's like, no, this one you can't do that with because you know, their their whole immune system, everything is way, way different than other babies. And that's where you definitely have to keep that into um, consideration. Well, and also too, their whole growth trajectory is just different, right? I mean, yeah. you know, I, one of the things that also re, like was the impetus for Flourish was that preemie moms get lumped in together with full-term moms. And our experience of motherhood or or dads, you know, the experience of parenthood is very different than um, being a full term baby. Um, so, yes, to your point, people are like, oh, everything's great now. She'll be rolling over or he'll be rolling over in five minutes and this and that. And, and that is certainly not the case in most in most instances. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. So how did you resource like the therapist, the gyms, other resources for Flourish? So what I did was, so I live in New York and um, the Department of Education gives us a whole bunch of agencies and providers as part of early intervention and um, it's the kind of thing, at least here in New York, you have to be very proactive about um, or else sometimes some of these people could be, you know, almost being counter as well. I have 30 days to file this. I can do that in de- on day 30. Then they have another 20. To, and I, to me, no, the child's growth and development, especially at the beginning, is pivotal, right? The first like two, three years is pivotal. And so... What was really sad to me was that a lot of the information that the Department of Education gave me for where I live was incorrect. And I said to myself, I live in New York. This is a metropolis. How can this be? So when I set out to create Flourish, one of the things that I decided, which was to me invaluable to any parent, whether actually premature or not, because how many kids do you know need speech therapy or physical therapy or occupational therapy? And that is not necessarily just because they're born premature. Um, They just maybe have other challenges that they have to deal with. Um, So what I did was I sourced, I called places that I found um, online in Google and I read reviews and I did my own homework on each place to make sure all the websites were correct, the phone numbers, the addresses, that they were still also taking new clients because there are places that aren't. Or also, if they don't take early intervention or Head Start, you know, state depending what it's called, well, do they take insurance? What insurance did they take? If not, 
Will they submit paperwork so that you can, the parents can at least get reimbursed for private because early intervention takes a while to start up, but your child still needs to get the help and the assistance while it takes to get that up and running. So at least, you know, um, I decided I was going to do private before while I was waiting for the early intervention to start. So, um, and I figured, well, I'm only one mom. There must be a lot, of, a lot of other moms like me that want to be able to provide for their child and put them in the best position to succeed. So I've divided state by state, county by county, um, therapists, everything is up to date. Um, I will say with the caveat of some states where there are a hundred counties or things like that, I did the top 40 and I figured most of the cities where, some, where someone lived was nearby one of those counties or somewhere um, just, just because out of, to make it a little bit easier for myself. Now that's great. Cause um, what I, I learned was you got to find it. I mean, you really, you got to find it because when I knew something was off with my kiddo, cause my son has autism, I, I had to go find it. I literally had to go find it. I had to get him tested. Um, no one came to me. His doctor didn't say, oh, you should have him test for autism or this or that. Nobody said anything. I had to go off of my experience of raising my daughter and her not having autism to know that something was off. Also your intuition, right? Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. And a lot, and the big thing that I got from some doctors at the time, and I, I did even with my son's primary is he thought I was being an overbearing mom. You're just being overprotective, overbearing. I'm like, no, something's off. So I can just tell something is off. And, um, I'm, he just didn't really believe me <laughs> until I took him and they did the testing and stuff. And it's like, yeah, he's got autism. And I'm like, okay, see. And so then, you know, from there, there's, um, I mean, I loved early intervention. I really, I really did because it got my kiddo in um, like preschool where they totally adapted it and stuff. And how are we going to make this work? And it was, it was great because with my kid, he did have OT, he had PT, he had speech therapy, um, occupational therapy, you know, he had all that stuff. And I got to tell you, it can be so overwhelming and challenging to have a full-time job when your child is your full-time job with all of their appointments. And I remember once um, speaking to, you know, a family law attorney. And when I told him all the doctor's appointments, I took my kid to in one year, he said to me, that is an appointment every day, five days a week. How could you possibly do that? And I told him, I said, I had to be self-employed. That was the only way I could make it work or else I wouldn't be able to have a job. It was just, it's challenging. So yes. Um, Parents need this information and, and and these resources because they're not going to come to you. You've got to find them. Yeah. I mean, I think, 
you said so many things in that last, those last couple of sentences, which are so true. First of all, you have to do the grunt work, right? No one is going to do it for you. Someone can tell you, well, call an early intervention, but you know what? It's a government agency. What do government agencies do? They're like a slow snail, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that you are on top of it. And the truth is having one child who needs all these things is literally, I would imagine, like having three children, right? (laughs) Just because there's so much to keep up with. Um, And, you know, I don't think employers necessarily understand that. You know, um, I think in today's day and age, it's coming around a little bit, maybe a little since COVID, but um, they aren't always so understanding when it comes to, you know, got to take my child here or, oh, well, our OT is coming. So I need to be home, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, And, you know, you have to also even be on top of the therapist, right? Make sure that they're telling you what to do for carryover when you're home. You're your child's best advocate. You know, I tell this to people that I speak to. Your child can't speak yet, but he or she needs help. Well, how is he or she going to get help? Through you, right? And you have to one that has to voice what you want and not take no for an answer. You know, and I, I think even showing your kid this way when they're this young, I feel like they fully absorb that. And it helps like create a really tough, determined um, kiddo, you know, just by watching you be so emphatic and forceful about what your child needs. No, I, I fully agree. And it, it builds a really strong connection and and trust with that child because it knows that you will you'll fight for them or that you're you're putting them you know first so what sets flourish apart from other similar websites because i'm sure people want to know that well i think what sets us apart is that uh flourish is the only one from the parent perspective there are a lot of websites out there that talk about nicu babies and preemie babies but they're from the medical clinical points of view. Um, I'm not a doctor. I'm not pretending to be one, but I consider myself an expert in my own child. And to me, that makes me an authority because I've been through it. And I think coming from a parent perspective is very different than coming from a clinical perspective. There is an empathy piece that unless a doctor or a nurse or a specialist has been a preemie parent themselves, that they just cannot have, Um, you know, and there's a understanding an unspoken understanding there that, that they don't have. And I think that's really important. What also sets us apart too is like I said, like we talked about the resources, right? There's, no other site actually that I know of that has them all the resources broken down like that um, city by city, uh, county by county. Um, And that's huge because I've had so many parents that I've spoken to across the country say to me, oh, I wish I had that list back when, or thank you so much. Now I know who I'm going to call. Right. Um, that's an invaluable tool. 
And also the audio vignettes that Flourish has, um, which hopefully will be rolling out to a hospital near people soon. Um, there are little short stories about my experience and another um, preemie mom's experience. And it's just, again, another way to let the parents know, especially I envision them doing kangaroo care with their child, listening in ear pods. Um, another way to support the parents to say, you know what, this is a difficult road, but it's amazing nonetheless. And there will be hiccups, two steps forward, one step back, but you've netted a step. So you're already ahead of where you were. And I think those pieces of advice, again, from a parent perspective, not from clinical, um, just, I, just sets it apart. It's like being someone's best friend that they didn't know they needed, wanted, or had. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's awesome because there's so many people out there that, you know, do need a best friend in this area because you'll get advice from your family and you'll get advice from your friends, but their advice might not always be the best advice because they've never had a preemie kid. They've never, you know, experienced what it's like to have a child in a NICU and then, you know, taking the child home and then all the, the milestones you have to. Or they might not know what to say. Right. You know, I think sometimes people say things that are just not appropriate. Um, because they just don't know what to say. So rather than say nothing, they say something and it just comes out wrong. Yeah. Um, and that could be because what they say is insensitive or also to what the parent is internalizing, whatever that meaning is, is somehow negative and incites some type of like, you know, um, upsettingness or, you know, nervous, nervous energy. Um, so I think there's that piece uh, as well. I mean, I had a woman on the street ask me if I was sure that my daughter was five months old when I said that she was five months old. I mean, I wanted to be in tears. <laughs> and I was like, of course, I know when I gave birth to my daughter. You know, and then she's like, are you feeding her? I'm like, yes, I am. You know, but took every ounce of strength not to break down into tears. Yeah. Well, and I know too that the dads have a different way of handling it than moms do. So you talk to dads as well as moms, right? I do. I do talk to dads. Um, You know, I think the thing is, is that dads are less apt to ask for help than, than moms. I don't know if it's a gender thing or they also want to be so supportive of their partner or spouse, um, or things like that. But yes, I do talk to dads. Um, excuse me. And it, I tell them it's okay to cry. Right. Like, I think, I think men also don't want to be as emotional as, as women, um, that it's a sign somehow that's like emasculating, if you will. Um, and you know what, it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel, upset and scared there's nothing wrong with that you have to take ownership of that before you can move move forward and i also think that too helps you be a better partner 
or a spouse to someone and a better parent, because you know what, you get to fully take in and process everything, the ups and the downs. Being a parent to begin with is filled with ups and downs. I mean, no one, nothing is straight up, right? Um, But I think for dads, especially, it's more difficult for them to ask for help and also to sometimes even admit that, that there's some type of issue. I think, I think it's no disrespect to dads. I just think it's, it's maybe could be a DNA thing um, or that men are, are supposedly traditionally supposed to be the stronger of the two, which we know as women, that's not the case. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's true. So How is Flourish something that all parents, regardless of the child's gestation, can benefit from? Well, as I said before, all parents can benefit because I think you are only happy as your least happy child. Or put another way, my dad used to say to me when I was little, and he still does, if you don't feel good, I don't feel good, right? So if your child is challenged or suffering in some way, the parents are as well. And like I said, you don't have to be born premature to need some kind of extra love and support in your life. So many people have sensory issues or maybe they have speech issues or OT issues or physical therapy issues or autism, right? That's not solely because someone's born premature. And, um, you know, these are resources that any parent can get when their child is challenged. That's awesome. So what is your dream collaboration and why? Well, I think it depends upon the, what it is exactly. I think from when I I remember this, when I was looking to take my daughter home from the hospital, there weren't a lot of clothes out there in the stores that were tiny, that even stocked newborns. And mind you, the newborn size was huge. My daughter wore that for months. Um, I remember walking into a few stores and crying that my daughter was going to go home and she was going to be like naked, practically not naked, but, you know, not have anything cute to wear or whatever. There was this store, um, Monica and Andy, uh, on the Upper West Side, and they were one of the first brands that I saw that had newborn size um, and preemie size in their store, which to me was unusual. Other than the plain Gerber onesies, like at Bye Bye Baby or or Carter's or things like that, right? If you wanted something a little, I'll say prettier or girly. Um, and so I have always wanted to uh, work with them just because it meant so much to me to be able to walk into that store and find something that made me feel pretty for my daughter, if that makes that makes any sense. Um, and I guess from like a celebrity uh, point of view, um, I guess just Priyanka Chopra Jonas, our daughters share almost the same birthday, not, uh, though my daughter is a few years older, um, and similarly had a long stay in the NICU. Um, my daughter, not as long as theirs, but almost. And 
I think her and her husband wield a lot of power insofar as their footprint and what they say and what they endorse has a very far reach. So I think working with them would be able to spread the word, overall word of just NICU awareness um, for, for kids all around the world. Yes, because getting them clothing is so hard. And I mean, that's the nice thing when your your kid is in, in the NICU, they immediately have clothing for them. And, 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 you know, those premature little tiny, tiny diapers and all that. But it's like, you have to think about when they come home, they're not usually coming home weighing seven pounds or eight pounds. They're, they're not, they're still, I mean, I think the, the limit is what, five pounds, they have to weigh around five pounds yes. or five. Yeah. There's a certain, I remember weight. My daughter was five and a half pounds when she yeah. came home. Okay. So yeah, my son was five and a half too, but finding clothing for that is almost impossible. It's so, so hard because they're swimming in these newborn outfits. Yeah. And, and so it's, um, I end up having to do a lot of those, like, kind of like a sack thing at the bottom where you just tie the string right? <laughs> because I couldn't find anything that he could fit in. And um, it, it's challenging. So, and it's also just adds to, I think, the trauma of it all. It does. I, I mean, for me, I'm just like, how could stores not have, I'm like, this is kind of like, how are you turning a blind eye to this percentage of the population, but, and you're taking something that's, that is beautiful birthing a child and then you're not accommodating a part of the population. And it just, I felt like it just felt so bad to go into these stores and not be able to find something, which is why, like I said, Monica and Andy had like really cute, like adorable, girls clothing, I mean, because I have a daughter, um, other than like a plain Gerber onesie. I mean, what I did was actually for the first year of my daughter's life, anytime she outgrew clothes, I donated it back to the NICU uh, where we were because they put Jenna in clothes that I didn't have clothes for her. Um, you know, once she was out in, in an ice, out of the isolate into a bassinet, they put her in onesies and like cute outfits and so I donated stuff back to the NICU so that other parents could have it for their kids and that they wouldn't have to think about getting stuff and for the hospital. No, I did the same exact thing because I just felt like it was so, so important. And when my son was around eight years old, I took him back to the NICU to show him like, this is where you, you know, you lived for two months when you yeah. were born and all the nurses there were so sweet and so kind and just, you know, really, you know, excited because a lot of them don't see those kids come back or, you know, photos of them. So it was, you know, it was a really, I've, I've wanted to do that. Um, especially on the anniversary, we took her home yeah. from, from the hospital, but it's been COVID. So um, we haven't been allowed back um, just because, nor at first, you know, then I was like, okay, well, if they don't even want adults in the hospital, 
I'm definitely not taking, you know, um, but I'm hopeful one day I actually took her this past a few months ago to my, to see my OB who she hadn't seen, you know, and he would visit her on rounds, even after I was out of the hospital, because he had other patients, you know, in the hospital and he's always, you know, check in on her, see how she was doing. And when I brought him to the office, he was just like crying. I was crying. The other doctors and the nurses, everyone was crying because, you know, she was one of those miracle stories, Um, you know, and he's like, this is why I love my job. He's like, I get to see this happen. So that's beautiful story. So how can people find you and flourish? Tell people where they can find you. So people can find flourish online, www.flrrish or.com, or they could go to Instagram at flourish, Facebook, the same thing at flourish, LinkedIn, uh, flourish as well. Um, or they can email me hello at flourish.com. Awesome. And is there anything else you would like my listeners to know that we didn't talk about today? Just to enjoy being a parent. I feel like, you know, my daughter's only not even four and it does go so fast. And just to enjoy every moment, you know, I relish the hugs and the kisses right before I put her to sleep at night because I know it won't last forever. And I think despite, especially for, for parents of, of preemie babies, despite how scary and tiring at times the journey is, it's so, so rewarding and special. I feel like I have this special bond with, with my daughter that most parents don't get to have. And I think it's because we've fought so hard together for her. And um, I hope that she carries that same feisty, tough attitude that she's had since she came out kicking and screaming, as my OB said, Um, (laughs) that she carries that through because I think the ones that get the tough start, you know, they just know how to survive and 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 work for themselves. And I think I think that's something have strength. And I think that's something that um, all parents should know. Awesome. Well, I'm really glad we have this talk today because I just I when I learned about your company and what you did, I was just like, yes, this is like so needed. And because I could, you know, I could relate. And, you know, as I shared earlier, you know, I I had no idea that my my body could not carry a child to full term until after I had, you know, my son. It's just something, you know, the way my body's designed. And that's a big thing I really want people to kind of grasp is sometimes there's a feeling of shame when your child is born premature and you could think that you're broken or what's wrong with me. And that's not not the case at all. I mean, I was I was tested two weeks before my, you know, my son was born and they warned me and they said, you know, your son's going to come early. So we just need to prepare you for this. And and like I was doing everything right. I was doing the bed rest. I was doing everything that I could possibly think of. But it was just 
my body couldn't carry any more physical weight. The bigger he got, I just, I couldn't do it. And so even with dads, there's that feeling of, you know, shame, you know, as, as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think we all suffer from, from the guilt. I mean, I still do on, on days, you know, and I remember saying to my husband, like, what did I do? Yeah. Or what didn't I do? And, um, he said this, he said the same thing. And the truth is you were at least, you were given a warning, not that much of a warning, but for me, I had a checkup five days prior and everything was fine. The next thing I know, I walk into a hospital and two hours later, my daughter is born and I don't meet her for three days. And, you know, similar to your body couldn't hold your, your son anymore. And neither could my body, my body couldn't hold my daughter anymore or else, you know, and sometimes there's not a reason why it just happens. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong wrong with that we're just so fortunate and lucky to live in a day and age where they can help babies who were born early amen to that <laughs> yes 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 yeah well i am so glad that we talked about this because i i am really passionate uh, about this subject because i do know for a fact that when you spend time with your child in the NICU and you give them those emotional needs that they, they need from you, that they do come home sooner than later. Because I did see kids in there that were there for months and months and months and um, the parents never showed up. And they even have people come in as volunteers to hold these babies. And to me, it's just so sad and and so unfortunate and i think a lot of that has to do is the person just doesn't have the resources or their their employer doesn't understand they're only allowed so much maternity leave time and so you know giving people you know a sense of relief knowing that there's something else out there is so key so i i personally want to thank you for creating thank you because I, I know it would have helped me, you know, back then, and I'm sure it's going to help all these other, you know, families and parents moving forward. Well, thank you for helping me uh, spread the word. And uh, today actually start is in November, so it starts uh, NICU Awareness Month. I mean, no, prematurity, but um, just... Thank you for having me on and, you know, spreading the word. That's all we can do, you know, is just let people know that we're here to help and that they are not alone. Yeah. Most importantly, yeah. they're not alone. Yes. I think that's really important because you can feel like you're so alone and so lost because you're adventuring in uncharted territory. So. Yes, yes, yes. But come Come to Flourish and we'll help you out. And you know what? We'll give you hugs because every it's no, but it's true. It's, it's true. true. You know, sometimes so bad. Sometimes that's all you need is just a hug or a shoulder to, to cry on. And that's what we're here for. So, yeah. Well, beautiful. Well, thank you, Jody, And I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. And thank you. You I too. really enjoyed myself. Okay. Take care. Me too. Okay. Bye.